I remember feeling upset and annoyed. It was over something quite trivial. I had planned my morning, carried out my regular routine, managed to shower and transform myself into something somewhat presentable, enjoyed breakfast with David and left on time, allowing an extra half hour to accommodate a parking spot which I knew would be an issue. I wanted to arrive at my appointment unhurried, unflustered and on time. I knew in advance that parking would be that issue and on arrival, as predicted, no spaces. I drove round and round and around, even to the outside area where no one else would want to park. No spaces. What to do? What to do indeed? Ah, I would wait. I would wait. And then as the tick, minutes ticked by, my 15 minutes of my half hour ticked on, no one came to remove their vehicle from any of the car spaces. And so I waited some more and I waited and I waited. And finally, with just a few seconds to spare, someone came and hopped into their car. So in order to give him some room to manoeuvre, I politely reversed into the disabled spot. And off he went. Just as I was about to pull into that spot, a pea plater swung off the road and straight into that precious spot. Waiting, waiting, patiently or impatiently. We all have occasions when we have to wait. Sometimes we may be prepared. We may even fall asleep waiting. But wait we must. Now I know you have all been waiting for me to welcome you to worship. So a hearty and happy welcome to Castle Hill Church this morning. I'm waiting to see your smiling face smile back right back at me. But we have to wait for that privilege. I have waited many months for that. But I'm certain that God, Jesus and his heavenly host are also smiling as they await the Sabbath wonderful worship ascending from earth this morning. Let's wait on the Lord and worship the almighty God, Abba, our Father. Welcome. In spite of the waiting, we have particularly enjoyed the online experience. One of the bonuses has been the opportunity to share Castle Hill worship with others. So I would like to welcome those from Norfolk Island, from Toowoomba, from Bowen Mountain, from Oakville, from Oatlands, from Kellyville, from Castle Hill, from Tumbiumbi, from Christchurch in New Zealand. And I'd like to especially welcome 
everyone who is joining us for the very first time, wherever you are. Welcome to Castle Hill Worship on this Sabbath day. Sarah Cross is our speaker, and we are looking forward to your message today, Sarah. Now, I'm not sure if you were drafted into this spot um, because your husband, Nick, has not been well over this last week or so, but if you were, he probably needs to be informed that it's harder to be pregnant than sick. So I just want to thank you for helping him out. I'm sorry, Nick. Uh, so good to see that you're up and about. To all involved in making this miracle possible from week to week, we just want to say a big thank you. And I just want to say, may God bless each and every one of you this morning, wherever you are, as we worship together. God bless. Good morning, everyone. I'm really glad to be with you here this morning. Um, it's a real privilege to be able to stand up here and, and speak and share this morning. Um, what I want to say really comes from my heart and um, I hope it's something that impacts you as well. So this week, um, I'm going to talk about being invested. And we've had a series for the past few weeks. Um, we had Simon preach about, I'm invited. Um, Pablo then preached about, I'm invaluable. I'm worthy, I'm important, I'm needed in this whole kingdom. Then last week, Zen preached about being influential and what that means for the people around us. This week, I'm preaching about being invested. I wanted to share a little bit about what I think being invested is. I think being invested is giving what we have and it's giving something that's significant to us and then expecting a profit or return. Now, I got that last little bit off Google. It says giving and then expecting a profit or return. And I think we're all invested in something. I think it's safe to say a lot of us are invested in our children. We're invested in watching them grow. We give so much to make sure that they live healthy and happy lives. Some of us are invested in our sports teams. We'll buy tickets to the games. We'll go out there in hot or cold weather. Some of us are invested in property. Some of us are invested in our friendships. In fact, a lot of us are invested in our friendships, which is awesome. Some of us invest in clothes. Sometimes I like to say an item of clothing that I bought is an investment because I'm expecting a return from that. I'm expecting some sort of profit. Do we invest in God? Do we expect a profit or a blessing or a return from him? Not in like a petulant, childlike kind of way, but do we have faith trusting that we can invest in him knowing that he's going to give us an even greater return? Have you invested in God? Do you have faith trusting that the blessing that he will give you is bigger than what you've put into him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and I've got it just here, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, 
and where thieves break in and steal. Don't store up treasure here. There's a really handy saying that I came across recently. And it says, God has created us to pour, not to store. God has created us to pour, not to store. Have you ever thought about why when you give something to someone, and it might be quite a difficult thing to give, it might be, um, it might be money, it might be being generous in the, in the offering one week at church, or it might be seeing someone down at the shops who's in need, or it might even be buying a really generous gift for someone who you know is going to appreciate it. Have you ever wondered why after that we experience almost a, almost a feeling of joy? In fact, I would say it's a feeling of joy. It's a feeling of fulfillment and purpose. That's because I believe, and having heard this this week, I believe that God's created us to pour out, not to store up inside. He's created us to give, not just to hold it to ourselves. Trusting and investing in God means that we trust and invest what is important to him. So that means we're thinking about what does God want from us? What does he want us to invest? Number one, I'd say he wants us to invest our lives. He wants us to give ourselves, ourselves over to him, heart and soul. But number two, I think he wants us to pour out to people. Because if you look at his ministry, and I'm, I'm speaking mainly from the Gospels today, if you look at his ministry, Jesus' whole life was pouring out to other people. And I think that's why we get joy when we give. I think it's because that's what we were made for. So if you want purpose and if you want fulfilment, if that's what you're looking for, why don't you think about giving and giving beyond what's comfortable, beyond what's easy? We'll go into that a little bit later. There's a couple of mindsets that we have and I want to share with you about them. I want to share a little bit of story where I think I had the wrong mindset and it's just a small story. In a scarcity mindset, which is the first mindset I want to share with you, we have a mindset that now is not the time. I don't have enough. If I just have a little bit more time, then I'll be able to give what I need to give. It's almost obligatory. It's almost like, yeah, I'll do it later. It's, it's, it's procrastinating, but it's also not faithful. It's not faithful because it's not trusting God in the here and now. It's putting it off until we think we have enough to trust God. But the whole idea of trust and faith in God is giving what we have and expecting a return regardless of what we have to give, if that makes sense, regardless of what we might be holding on to. We might not think it's enough, but it's trusting that God will give us enough. So a scarcity mindset is waiting until we have that, until we have enough. It's holding on to what we don't need. If you've got your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 12. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 16. So Jesus told them the story of the parable of the rich fool. A rich man 
had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. He's got too much. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. I think God's response is just incredible there. It's, it's strong, but I think he's trying to make a really strong point to us. What are you investing in? I want to just look at that again. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He was in a good situation. He had more than what he needed. He didn't have space for all of his crops. But then instead of thinking, I'll pour out into other people who need it, or I'll ask God what I can do with this excess, he stored it up for himself. He said, I'll build bigger barns and I'll create more space that I actually don't need so that I have more for years to come. Why would he think that he, has, he needs more for years to come? I think because he didn't trust that God could provide for him or that God would provide for him. Sometimes we have the faith that God can, but not that he will. I know that sometimes that's something that I struggle with. God can do this, but will he? Am I important enough? Does he care enough about me? But the Bible says something really different. I have to remind myself when I start to think that way because I'm moving into that scarcity mindset. Then he said to himself, he sat back and said to himself, my friend, do you have enough stored away for years to come? Take it easy, drink, eat, drink and be merry. So he can kind of live like a, a really empty life. He can take care of himself. God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And that is like in direct reference to Matthew chapter 6, where he says, store your treasures up in heaven. Don't store them up where things can get destroyed. Because it was God who made that man rich. It was God who allowed him to have what he had. But what was God's intention for that man? Not to store it up, but to pour it out for other people. I want to share a little story with you. Back when Nick and I were living in Port Macquarie, we, um, we, we were doing it pretty tough financially because it was our first year of marriage. I was studying um, my fourth year of my degree and I wasn't working. And Nick was getting sort of a you know, a half wage working as a chaplain at the school because he hadn't, he hadn't fully finished uni yet. So, you know, we were fine. We, we honestly had everything that we, need, we needed, but in terms of having excess, um, we often felt that we didn't. Even though I think looking back, we actually did. And there was more that we could have given, really. But I remember we were going out for dinner um, to a, a family's home from church. They'd invited us over, which was really nice. And Nick said to me, um, do you want to take a bottle of grape juice? We should take something to this family home. And um, 
<laughs> grape juice was like my treat. I could get it for like $3 if it was on special and I'd just like stock up on it and have it in the cupboard when it was on special. And, and that, was, that was honestly like the treat that I could afford to, to get for myself. And I remember getting, actually getting a bit grumpy with Nick and saying like, no way, like this is, you know, this is the only bottle I have left. I don't have enough. You know, we can't afford to buy another bottle. That's, you know, we were pretty tired at the time. And I remember Nick was just really keen to give and I was keen to hang on because I was just worried that I wouldn't have enough. And I was more worried about myself and not really trusting that God was looking after us because he was and he always has. And I was more worried about hanging on to what I needed than to embracing the joy of actually giving to someone and actually having them experience what it means to receive something, a gift that's important from someone else. And maybe they wouldn't have appreciated the grape juice that we brought so much, but it's, you know, it's the principle. It's the fact, was, was I willing to pour out or was I trying to store up? And in that moment, I was trying to hang on to what I had. And that's a scarcity mindset, always waiting until we, have, we think we have enough, never trusting God. There's another mindset I want to share with you, and it's called the abundance mindset. And the abundance mindset is, is straight from God, and it's straight from the Bible. I want to start out with this verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Now, I'm not going to go to the verse entirely, but I just want to quote this part to you. And you can go there in your Bible if you want to. Philippians 4 verse 19. It says, My God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches. My God will supply everything that you need. That's an abundance mindset. Now, if you change it to my God will supply all of my needs, that's believing that God not only has enough, but he has more to give to us than what we actually need. An abundance mindset means that we trust that God not only wants to give to us what we need, but it also means that we know that he wants to give to us more than what we need. Because one, he wants to bless us. I really do believe that he wants to bless us. And I think that's in the Bible. I think we could find those verses that say that he wants to bless us. I think he wants to bless us, but I think he also wants us to bless other people so that other people know his love and so that other people know what he's done for them. So I want you to ask yourself, really honestly, and I have to ask myself this same question, do I have a scarcity mindset or do I have an abundance mindset? Now, I think this is a day-to-day -day thing. I don't think it's just a, a once-off. I don't think it's just a, a once-off offering in church or a once-off generous donation to a charity or, you know, a donation of our time or our energy. I think it's a day-to-day -day thing. And how do we get this? First of all, as I said at the start, it's by investing in God, daily investment in God, investing in our relationship. It says in Luke chapter 12, verse 21, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but to not have a, relich, a rich relationship with God. Where's our focus at? Where is our mind? Do we have a rich, full relationship with God or are we focused on things and we focus on storing up? Pouring out is a product of a rich relationship with God. Pouring out is giving in fullness, not giving in, in smallness. 
It's pouring out in fullness and that comes from having a relationship with God. I want to share another story with you and it's from Luke chapter 7. So if you want to turn with me there. Luke chapter 7, it starts at 36. And a lot of us are familiar with this story, but it's the story of the woman who comes into Jesus really bravely when he's at the home of a really rich, influential person. And she comes in with so much courage because we know she's got a past that people aren't proud of, that she's probably not proud of. And it's a real risk to go in. But I'd like to say she really invested here. She really gave what she had here. So I'm just going to share that with you. A certain immoral woman, I've just started at verse 36, when a certain immoral woman came from that, who came from that city heard that he was eating there, she bought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and put perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. She really did take a risk in coming in and seeing Jesus in that time and that space. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more than that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to drink. You didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to appoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. He also says to her, two verses down, your faith has saved you, go in peace. That was an investment from that woman. You know, I've heard people say to me that that perfume was worth a year's worth of wages. That's financial investment. But she also took a risk socially. More than a risk, I mean, she could have been kicked out. That's investment. It's giving something significant, something that's important to us. And that does look different for all of us. So we don't have to look around and say, oh, that person's giving that and that person's doing this. I should be matching that or I should be beating that. Ask yourself what's significant to you. If it's money, give money. If money is a struggle, maybe give a little bit more than what's comfortable and trust God. You know, in Micah, 
when it talks about tithing, it actually says, God actually says, trust me and test me with this. That's the one thing in the Bible where he says to test me on giving money. So if money is an issue, maybe that's something that you need to have a conversation with God and try to think, how can I trust him? And ask him, how can I trust you with this money? This money that's sort of holding me back a little bit from a full, rich relationship, a full, rich life, an abundant mindset with God. Going back to this woman, her pouring her perfume at Jesus' feet was a faithful act and it was a response of worship and it was trusting. Does our worshipful response to what God has given us, because remember, he had forgiven her sins and they were many, it says in the Bible, but my sins are many. All of our sins are many. Does my worship response include investment? Does my worship response mean taking a bit of a risk but trusting that God can provide above and beyond what I need? That woman didn't store, she poured. I want to share one last story for for you and I love this one. It's from Luke chapter 21, verse 1 to 4. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. There were rich people coming in, giving huge amounts of money. You know, and maybe they were being showy about it or, you know, maybe they were being discreet. But Jesus in this story is saying he knew their hearts. He knew that they weren't really giving what they had. He knew that they weren't really pouring out. It might have looked like it, but they were just giving, you know, an amount that was easy for them. And that's why we don't compare because what might be easy for me is the hardest thing in the world for someone else. And what might be difficult for me is easy for someone else. So I need to make sure that I'm looking at me when I'm giving. And I need to make sure that I'm looking at God when I'm giving. Look at God first. Ask God first. And then ask yourself, what is significant? Ask God to show you what is significant. What can you give to make it an actual act of worship? I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, even though she's so poor, has given everything that she has. Now, that's a parable. We don't know what the backstory of all of that is. She might have had kids. She might have had, you know, the equivalent of a mortgage back then. She might have been struggling to survive. She's given all that she has. So what does it look like to invest? It looks like giving something that is significant to you. It looks like pouring, not storing, and trusting that God will give you the surplus. He will provide what you need. Trust is so crucial in this. So what has investing meant to me personally? 
That's a hard one. You know, I remember being back in uni and I remember, you know, as you always are in uni, you're not very rich, you know, and you're thinking about money a lot. You're on Centrelink, you know, and, um, you know, I was lucky enough to work a bit, but I also had my parents helping me, but I didn't have a lot. But I remember thinking, I need to give, like I need to make sure I'm actually giving an amount that feels uncomfortable, that just doesn't sit quite right with me, that makes me think, oh, what am I going to have to sacrifice to give this? And you know what, like I, I did that and I've continued to live by that principle of being a bit uncomfortable when I give money. And I've never actually gone without. And I know that, you know, I'm incredibly blessed and, and fortunate, but I think that he means, God means to do that for everyone. I really do. It's in the Bible. What else does it mean to me to invest? I think I've spoken about this song to you all before, but it's, it's the, my favourite line in a song that, has, you know, that I've ever heard. And it's in a song called Saviour King. And it says, I give my life to honour this, the love of Christ, the Saviour King. And that's what I've promised to do. That's what I've promised God to do, to give my life. Because first and foremost, I think we need to give our hearts to him before we can expect to be able to pour out. So I give my life to honour the love of Christ. And finally, there's another lyric that Nick and I spoke about in the year 10 Bible study that we just had on Friday night. And it says, these hands are yours. And this is, I think, what could be our prayer. These hands are yours. Teach them to serve as you please. This, you know, my time is yours. Teach me to serve as you please. My talents, my gifts are yours. My finances are yours. Teach me to serve with what I have as you please. And that can be our prayer as a church. It can be us individually, but it can be what we pray as a church so that our community, our nation know us as a church that loves and that gives. I pray that that's something that you can take with you. I pray that that's a prayer that you can pray. I'm going to close down now and um, and I'm going to pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much that you have blessed all of us, Lord and that you want to bless us, God, that you're a God who has more than enough and you're not a God who stores up for himself, but you pour that out on us. Lord, I just pray that each of us would first and foremost give ourselves over to you, Lord, and that second of all, that we'd ask you what we can give and how we can give, Lord. Help each of us to have a mindset that is one of abundance and one of trust and faith in you, that you'll provide for us, for our families, for our loved ones, And that, God, you can use us to provide and help for other people as well, Lord. God, I thank you so much that you love us, that you care about the small things, that you care about things like school fees, that you care about things like, you know, getting into university and, and, you know, having enough money for those little things that we do need, Lord. I thank you that you care about those small details. I thank you that you gave your life for us, Lord, and that you sacrificed everything. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to respond with an act of worship of giving and loving. We ask these things in your name. Amen.